Blog Talk Radio. Okay, I'll admit it. I'm an egomaniac. What can I say? Shame on you! As usual, I'm right. You're wrong. Are you kidding me? You are the biggest phony I have ever met. Obviously, clearly, maybe, definitely. A fresh take on sports and entertainment. Dave and Joe talk like it is. Great talk radio every week. David and Joe are simply the best. I've been listening to Pure Gold ever since I was a baby, and I still do. Pure Gold is the best. I love Pure Gold. Pure Gold. I got two words for you. Pure (laughs) Gold. You guys are awesome. This is Pure Gold with your hosts, David and Joe. And a good evening, everyone. It is 7 p.m. straight up. Not. And Pure Gold is live in there for this Thursday night, September 8th, 2022. Welcome to the show that covers everything and anything. And tell oh, we're at your homes. Yeah. We're out of our homes. My name is Joe, and my co-host, as always, is David. How are you? Uh, you have a show on the Internet? <laughs> I'm good. I mean, basically, to sum it up, I would say the best way that I can describe myself is... Oh, baby! <laughs> Excited as good always to, to get another episode of Pure Gold on the road. Sir, it has been a month since we've had a show for various reasons, ailments, infirmities, lies, cheating, stealing. I mean, there's a, there's a host of reasons why we haven't done a show and uh, that ends today because we're back. I'm not saying it'll be every week. I'm not saying it'll be all the time. I'm not even sure what our time slot is because we haven't discussed that off the air. But right today, right now, 7 to 8.30, straight up, Eastern Standard Time. Woo! If you want to be part of the best podcast out there, it's the number is 515-605-9796. Again, it's 515-605-9796. And, sir, let me uh, backtrack a little bit because it's been a while. Last we spoke on the air, you were attending a live wrestling show. How was the experience, and and what do you think of that wrestling promotion? Uh, It was a good show. It was a good experience. I went there with my buddy Dustin, who actually called in the show. Um, I enjoyed it. There was some good wrestling. You know, there was some... shall we say, questionable wrestling. But for the most part, um, I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good game, uh, you know, in terms of, like, playing the game and Triple H and all that. It was very good. I enjoyed uh, – there was a couple of matches. One of the things I wasn't a huge fan of, I'm not a personally a big fan of intergender wrestling. I never have been. There was two men and women, you know, male against female matches at the end, and the women won both of the matches. Um, and then they went on the next night, which, because it was a tournament. It was almost like a King of the Ring style tournament, essentially is what it was. Um, and basically, you had a bunch of matches that first night. And I'm talking about the Phoenix City Invitation, of course. They had uh, Myron Reed, who's actually from MLW. He's the current, I believe it's the middleweight holder, which I, the middleweight title holder, which I thought was fascinating, that you have a named guy who was there. And again, I, yeah, I understand Myron Reed is not like. Uh, let's just say Cesaro, or he's not, let's just say AJ Styles, I'm like, oh, everybody knows who he is, but, I mean, he's on MLW, so he's known. He's a known commodity. He's a professional wrestler, you know, and he was there, which he had a great showing that night. 
And then there was also uh, Masha Slamovich, who has actually uh, appeared on Impact Wrestling a bunch of times. So there, there were people that are known commodities. You know, the, the actual event itself was fun. They had a better crowd Saturday than they did Friday. But, um, I mean, I really enjoyed it, sir. It's something that I would definitely do again. And obviously, definitely, maybe, if you lived in the area or, or vice versa, I would definitely want to check it out with you, you know, again, for show. Good. Um, was there anybody that stood out, like, you could see this guy making it or a girl making it to AEW or WWE, or do you think that they're all um, stuck in this promotion? Well, considering the mess that AEW is right now, I'm not sure who wants to go there, but we can always get into that <laughs> later. I mean, we could we could shift gears to uh, baseball, come back. I mean, you know, it's up to you, but since we're talking about wrestling, we can also go in that direction. Um, I definitely could see that. I could see that happening. But the truth is, like anything, I mean, these, these guys and girls on the independent scene, they cut their teeth there. They make a name for themselves. People see them. You know, all it takes is one person. What I found interesting, there was one match, and I wish it's been so long. I wish I could remember the names, and I'm trying to find it online, but for some reason the interwebs aren't working for me. There was a tag team that actually wrestled in the tournament, and that was one of the best matches. And then um, one of the guys in the tag, they, they held like five different federations titles, tag team titles, which I wow. thought was fascinating and, you know, interesting for show. Uh, so there's that. Um, you know, really enjoyed it, sir. There was a lot of fun. There was, there was some good matches. Um, the match I'm actually thinking about here, if I'm not mistaken, was Dominic Carini against Kevin Koo. Uh, Kevin ended up winning and going to the next the next night, um, you know, to be able to fight or whatever. But it was definitely good, and he ended up losing. Uh, I, I already mentioned Myron Reed, who is the current MLW Middleweight Champion. Um, you know, good stuff. He's he's been in different tournaments. I mean, definitely good stuff. Um, Billy Starks wrestled that night. That's one of the women who who fought. And uh, the other one was uh, it, Masha Slamovich, which I already mentioned. Um, you know, good stuff there. I definitely believe that there is a possibility that some of these folks could make it going forward. But, you know, independent wrestling, is, it's a tricky thing, sir. It definitely is. It's definitely a tricky thing. I'm just wondering, uh, because I didn't get to go to the event that you went to, was it a step above the events that we went together to the IWF and Game Changer Wrestling or right on par with those promotions? I would say, if I'm being fair, right on par. Um, definitely not below, and um, I wouldn't say better than, but definitely not below. I would say, you know, I would say close to. You know, I would right. definitely say close to. Um, that that would be my my personal thing. Now, I'm looking at the results here. It was actually, I'm sorry, I, I misspoke earlier, but it was, um, let's see here. So, the 2022 Scenic City Invitational winner was actually Jaden Newman, who our guest that day, uh, you know, Scott Presley, he's a, he runs the SCI, the Sydney City Invitational. He actually, he kind of called it. He said this could be one of the guys who wins it. The first night in the, in the tournament, let me see. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to look at the results here. I find the yeah. second night's results, um, Trisha, uh, what is it, uh, Masha Slamovich and Billy Starks, they actually fought each other in the semifinal. The two women did fight on night two, and uh, Billy Starks won, if I'm not mistaken. And she went on to the she went on to the finals. Um, definitely, definitely some good stuff. You know, there was a lot of 
there was a lot of interesting matches. There was a hardcore match, which is the one that Masha was involved in. Um, you know, good stuff, sir, for show. I, I enjoyed it, good. and I'm glad I was able to go. And I would definitely go again. That's good to hear because um, sticking with the wrestling topic, uh, we just got done with Clash at the Castle, the WWE pay-per-view on Saturday, and uh, Roman Reigns is still your champion. So no matter how much time we take off, it could be a month, it could be two months, Roman Reigns is still your champion, and the WWE continues to pigeonhole themselves into a bigger, bigger hole. I don't see them how they get out of it other than giving it to Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania, which makes most sense to me. I don't see anyone else being Roman Reigns. Well, we're assuming that Cody's going to be healthy by then, which, I mean, in theory, he should. But, yeah, I think that when you look at the WWE, when you look at the way things are rolling now, um, the fact that Roman is still champion to me is a joke. He's on TV less and less. Uh, He's not at every pay-per-view. As a matter of fact, he's not going to be at the next pay-per-view, which is ridiculous for a premium live event. Um, and then the fact that his cousin, Solo Sokoa, who is the brother of Jimmy and Jey Uso, which I don't understand why they don't have the same last name, because they have the same father, but, you know, that's besides the point. Um, I mean, he should be an Uso, should he not? Should and he, he not should. be an Uso? Right, you know, am I wrong about that? Uso, <laughs> Jimmy Uso, Jey Uso, Solo Uso, 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 Uso the third. I mean, but anyway, my point is the fact that he's there, to me, how do you now take the belt off Roman when he has even more backup? I mean, thoughts? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point because I didn't think about that. I just thought about the fact that um, even with Triple H being controlled creative, it's uh, Roman, you would think that Roman Reigns would be not the champion anymore because Triple H makes um, knows more logic or is more logical than Vince was. And you would think that th- this is the perfect time for Drew McIntyre in Scotland, in front of his home crowd, to win the belts and take the belts finally off of Roman Reigns, but guts. no. Show some guts! Yeah. Gut And Roman's still your well, champion. I mean, let's go ahead. He is still a champ, but the thing is, I feel like he's never going to lose it. I think, ultimately, that is what the problem is, you know? The fact that Roman is never going to lose and he's going to be – I don't understand the logic behind putting a belt on somebody who is then going to go on a reduced schedule at this point. You know, why not give it to – oh, by the way, just so that we're clear, Wales is its own separate country. You said Scotland. It's part of the United Kingdom. Now, to All me right. – and Cardiff is the capital city. To me, what should have happened – it borders Ireland, by the way. Um, what, what should have happened, sir – is the well actually borders? I'm looking at the map right now. It borders England and Ireland, I believe, is close by. But anyway, um, the fact is that you had the perfect opportunity to get the belt off Roman, and then Roman could do whatever. His match with The Rock that's supposedly happening at WrestleMania that has not been confirmed yet. Although Triple H said that if The Rock schedule is open, he'll do it, and he did confirm that they were supposed to have a match in the in the recent past. They were supposed to have a WrestleMania match, him and The Rock, but something changed at the last minute in The Rock schedule, and he couldn't do it, but they were ready to go, which to me, considering the great feud that Triple H and, and The Rock had, I still can't believe that they never had a one-on-one match at WrestleMania. I, I never understood that Fatal 4-Way at WrestleMania 16, a.k.a. WrestleMania 2000, where you had uh, Triple H become the first heel to ever successfully defend his title at WrestleMania, but the Fatal 4-Way between The Rock, uh, The Big Show, Mankind, and 
Triple H, because Mankind had already retired, you know, in February, the, the February Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, or No Way Out pay-per-view, which was in a Hell in a Cell, that was his retirement match. So then he came back like a month and a half later for WrestleMania, and you have a fatal four-way. They should have been trips against The Rock one-on-one. So I've never understood why that happened. I will never understand it. And you make us all sick. I mean, that's the bottom line. I, I, I mean, if you're going to ask me come to my head, the reason why that match never happened is because of the ego. The one of them one didn't want to lose. The other didn't want to lose either. So you never had a match. Yeah, but they didn't The Rock, the Rock lost. What you're saying doesn't make Triple any H? sense because The Rock lost. Yeah, but Triple H won anyway. So you could have had Triple H beat The Rock. It's a, the Rock lost in a fatal four-way, but he was pinned by Triple H in the main in the main right. event. At the end, they were the last two standing. So it's not an ego thing because The Rock ended up losing anyway. So why couldn't Triple H have beat him one-on-one? It just it, the whole thing makes no sense to me. If you're gonna if you're gonna go with that uh, go down that road nothing makes sense to WWE except for uh, one match that I found very entertaining was Sheamus versus Gunther for the IC title did you see that match I did not see that and I wanted to see it because I did hear that it was awesome I did I wasn't able to watch it but I did hear that it was uh, it was amazing sir Yeah I would think that that was the match of the night. For me, anyway, because the crowd was really hot. Uh, the match, uh, you thought the match was going to end three different times, no, four different times, um, and then Gunther eventually uh, pinned Sheamus, but uh, the crowd was so hot. It felt like they were in Chicago or somewhere that, you know, is usually a hot crowd, but the crowd was really hot for that match, obviously because both of them are across uh, European. Uh, I just think that, um, for me, anyway, that was a match of the night, and uh, I got turned it off after that match, but... I suffered under and watched Roman Reigns once again beat Drew McIntyre. I guess Drew McIntyre is stuck from, uh, at the mid-card because him and Seth Rollins are people that they could easily ele- ele- elevate, but they don't. They just keep them uh, at bay for whatever reason. I just I don't get it. I don't get it either. To me, I think that you could easily have had Drew win, take the belt off Roman, even if it's for a short time. Roman's title reign isn't doing anybody any good. And if he goes and loses to The Rock at WrestleMania, who have you built up? Nobody. The WWE under Vince McMahon, yeah, now Triple H in charge, which is great. That's one of the things that's changed since we've been gone. You know, that, that's an awesome thing. And it seems the product does seem to be getting better. But when you look at the overall picture, who has Roman built up? Nobody. He's beaten Brock like three or four different times. Now he beat Drew McIntyre, who's probably the only credible guy. Uh, Cody's out on the shelf. He's not going to be at the next pay-per-view. His next title defense is the following. Like, what's the point? But getting back to Triple H and Creative, since that's, you know, been mentioned, I mean, a lot of good yeah. things have happened since he came back. You know, Becky Lynch is now a face, and that was Triple H's idea. But Becky Hurt said that herself. Yeah, she's injured or whatever, but she, Triple H was, was the one kind of pushing for that. Um, and it happened. She agreed, thought it was a good idea, which she never should have been a heel in the first place, number one. Number two, Matt Riddle got his first name back, which, I mean, you know how I, I am with names. I thought it was ridiculous that he was Cancer Riddle. Austin Theory got his first name back. He's back to being Austin Theory because he's talking about how, oh, yeah, I like Theory better. Theory was my nickname. Theory is a word that makes no sense in the context of wrestling. Theory is an awful first name or singular name as opposed to Cesaro. Okay, yeah, Antonio Cesaro, Cesaro, eh, not a big deal. Um, what was uh, Rusev's first name? Uh, um, 
This is Miss Pennsylvania USA 2011, Amber Joy Watkins. Make sure you tune in to Pure Gold every week. Check them out for yourself at puregoldpg.com. It is truly a show about anything and everything, and Dave and Joe tell it like it is. Hi, this is Lauren Lester, and you are listening to Pure Gold. Yes, you are. We are back from our break. Joe, before we went to break, you brought up something. I was trying to figure out Rusev's last name. We were kind of all over the place. That's what Pure Gold does. You were talking about AEW, and go. Before I bring up the AEW topic, because we could talk about that for our next topic, uh, one last thing on one last thing on WWE is that Triple H is in charge of creative, and you would think by now um, Mr. Money in the Bank, Austin Theory, would have cashed in his, his Money in the Bank and lost because a heel Money in the Bank champion versus a heel champion just doesn't make sense. So you would think that Austin will drop that pretty soon, right? It doesn't make sense, but I, in terms of the heel versus heel, but I think what they're going for is this idea that he's going to do something that no other Money in the Bank winner has ever done, and he's going to constantly continue to attempt to cash it in and not cash it in, and eventually he will. Whether he wins or not, that's a different story. I definitely don't think that theory, uh, Austin Theory, in theory, should be the WWE champion in any way, shape, or form. Way too green, way too young, no way, no how. But I do think that that's what they're going for because he's already failed multiple times, and eventually he's going to try and probably fail. I'm hoping he fails because I really don't think that um, he. My personal opinion, sir, I don't think that he needs to be champ. Like, I mean, that's just that's just my take on the situation. Yeah, I mean, I think the theme of tonight's show is about uh, things that are a mess, whether it be WWE or AEW, which we'll talk about now. And you tell me that. Um, CM Punk is, is just a mental case, and now he's injured. Um, Tony Khan has fallen down the trap. Not that he's fallen down the trap of the same way that uh, Ted Turner signed all WWE uh, former superstars, but Tony Khan is just signing everybody and everybody, and to me, to me that makes the product unwatchable. I, I just There's too many people in the promotion. I don't want to watch it. How's that? Um, I mean, I, I don't know if I'd say that's a good reason to not watch it. I, I think you, you'd have to explain that a little bit more. The reason, what are the reasons that it makes it unwatchable? To me, it would be the fact that there's, there's too much talent to get TV time. So guys get lost in the shuffle and girls, and they're gone, and then next thing you know, you don't see them for months, and they're back. So there's no sort of, other than the main few guys, there's no real sort of like a fluidity to it. Um, my, that's my biggest, well, that's one of my biggest problems with AEW is the fact that it seems like guys disappear, come back, they're gone, they're there. You know, uh, Sonny Kiss is an example. I mean, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm not a fan of the gimmick or the lifestyle or whatever, but he was off. He was one of the first people with AEW, you know, in that first year. He was off the air, if I'm not mistaken, for like two years. It was at least an entire calendar year, and I think it was two, that he had appear on, on the main show, which to me doesn't even make sense because you've got Dynamite, you've got Rampage, and then, of course, you've got Dark and Elevation, but, but sticking to Dynamite and Rampage, I mean, you've got to find a place for your talent. One of my biggest problems with Tony is the fact that he essentially signs anyone who used to work for the WWE, and it's a lot of mid-card or lower mid-card guys like Tony Nese. He was on 205 Live. He was a fixture there, never made it, big time in the WWE, great look, great build. The guy's a black hole of charisma. But 
Tony goes and signs and Tony signs everybody and everybody and anybody. The minute they're gone, it's like, oh, they're in AEW. Oh, so-and-so's all elite. Oh, so-and-so's all elite. It's just a Parker Boudreaux, the guy who looked like Brock Lesnar, the WWE cut him, uh, developmental talent, because he wasn't showing promise, he wasn't doing anything, and Tony goes and signs him right away. There's way too much talent there, so so that's just what I wanted to expound upon a little bit today. Yeah, I mean, the, I, the way I feel about uh, AEW is that uh, Tony Khan is, more, is trying to be more of a friend to the locker room where uh, Ted Turner was not a friend. He was not even on the air pretty much till the very end. Um, I just think Tony Khan tries to be friends with these guys, and they're as employees, and it makes for a locker room that is uh, really unhappy when you look at people like CM Punk. And I think that CM Punk doesn't, doesn't want to wrestle anymore. He just he likes to create trouble, cause, cause controversy, and that's what his, his stick is lately. Uh, he just wants to cause havoc. Well, um, Eric Bishop did say that controversy creates cash. Um, the truth of the matter is that CM Punk, or CM Skunk, as I like to say, he, he is definitely, it's, it's the latest reports show it. He's definitely a problem. He may be gone from the company if the reports are to be believed. I mean, he got into a big fight with the Young Bucks and uh, Ke- uh, Kenny Omega, him and his trainer. He was talking about Cole Cabana, who, you know, him and Cole used to be best friends, and now they're like sworn enemies. Because of a lawsuit with one of the doctors in the WWE, I think his name was Nick Amon, if I'm not mistaken. But there was that, and they stopped being friends, and then he brings up Cabana again in an interview, and he just, one of the greatest comments I saw online was a guy who commented and said that, you know, he was more distracted by what a disgusting human being CM Punk is, because he was at the press conference where everything happened, he's eating a sandwich, stuffing his face full of food, and then also wiping his mouth with the dirty towel that was around his neck. The guy was saying how he just couldn't stop focusing on what a disgusting human being CM Punk was, which I thought was great, one of the greatest things I've ever seen over on a wrestling website that I like to frequent. Um, and I've been commenting and active in their message boards lately. But then you also look at the fact that Punk has been champion two times. He is a two-time AEW champion. He has held the belt for six days. Both times he's had to relinquish it or have the belt taken away from him. And both times he got hurt immediately. What I don't understand is the booking. Uh, your boy Punk loses yeah. to John Moxley. So back, backtrack. One thing I hate about AEW and it ties to this point: this whole interim champion thing is complete nonsense. You know, Punk gets hurt. He's interim. Uh, he becomes, he's still the world champion, and then they crown an interim world champion. Who ends up being John Moxley. Then John Moxley right. challenges Punk. Instead of at a pay-per-view, they fight on a regular Dynamite. Okay, fine. Goldberg beat Hogan at, you know, uh, on a regular Nitro, and it was a big deal. Right, but that was, you know, in front of in the Georgia Dome, in front of 50,000 people, and it was picked up. He goes, he wins the title. Say whatever you want, hot shot booking, whatever, you know, that's the way it was booked. But this is not that. Punk gets whipped in, like, two minutes. It's a squash match, essentially, and he gets embarrassed. Then it turns out his foot is hurt. But his foot was hurt Wednesday, but he was able to wrestle like the following Sunday. So how does that make any sense? Or Saturday? How is that? Wait, when was the pay-per-view? Was it Saturday or Sunday? Because I forget. Because WWE was Sunday. Saturday, it was Sunday, right? Okay. Yeah. So, and even Jim Ross pointed this out. How is it that you have this match, you give it away for free on TV? AEW only does four pay-per-views a year. You give the match away for free on TV, Punk is squashed, and then he comes back a couple days later... And, and, you know, he blames the squash on an injury, but then he comes back and, and wins the title in a match, the main event of the pay-per-view, and then he actually tore his 
I think his biceps or his triceps um, in that match, jumping off top rope or whatever. So now he's out for like eight months. So he's been injured two times since getting the belt. And he had the title stripped because of injury. And the second time, because of the whole issues and the fighting and the, the, the young bucks and all that, that whole media scrum situation where he was burying the company and burying everybody and burying Adam Page and burying uh, MJF and all this other stuff, which doesn't help anybody. He then goes and gets injured again, and now he's no longer champ. And then you have Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks who won the trios title, and they were stripped of the titles also for their part in this all of mess. So now Sunday you have a pay-per-view, and then Wednesday you have your main, two of your main champions stripped of their belts. And right. you also have the women's title because Thunder Rose is injured, so now Tony Storm is the interim women's champion. Explain that to me. This isn't the UFC. Why do we need interim champions? Yeah, that doesn't make sense. What doesn't make sense on top of everything you just said is that MJF wants to come back to the promotion that's a mess. Why does he want to come back? Uh, I don't know. Great, if I was the commissioner, I'd be out there on Monday, he'd be out, gone, finito. That would apply to CM Punk. He would be out, gone. So MJF buries the company three months ago, comes back, buries them again, and mentions Cody Rhodes by name. He talks about being a fan of the game. You know, he says he can go to another real wrestling company. I just think that was poor timing on his part. Um, but he comes back after three months of complaining or whatever. It just seems like the locker room is a mess, and there's a bunch of fights and, you know, all these issues going on where it wasn't like that before. Punk, to me, Punk is a non-entity. He, he didn't improve ratings. The ratings are what they are. They're basically the same as they've always been, which ultimately is the biggest problem for AEW is that they can't raise the ratings because their ratings are stagnant. Their ratings stay the same. The ratings are always the same. So please tell me how they're, they're, not, they're not growing their company. They have the same guys, mostly guys, shrubs, watching this episode over and over so the, the product isn't growing. It's not... Punk didn't bring any new eyes to it. Nobody was watching it because of him. Let's be honest. And now with his two title reigns that lasted less than a week, that's got to be a record, by the way. In a major promotion, that has to be a record for the least amount of time that somebody held the, held the title multiple times. There is no way that there's anybody in history who has held two world championships in the same company or any company for less time than CM Punk did. Not even a full week, sir. Are you kidding me? I remember uh, Kane held it for a day, though. Uh not twice, though. Uh, Kane, in the answer error, uh, Kane held it for a day. Yeah, that? that's one Both title six. that he held for a day. One title reign. Right. I'm talking two title reigns for a combined reign of six days. That, 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 is, that is unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, it's absolutely unfathomable. It, it, it's without fathom. Yeah. I mean, this is why the locker room is upset, and you got some former WWE guys that signed with AEW, and now they want to go back to WWE because Triple H is in charge. Uh, I think the locker room is a mess. I mean, why would anybody want to go back to WWE at this point? Well, why wouldn't they want to go back to WWE? Because Triple H is in charge. Things have changed. Clearly, the product has changed. The product is significantly better with Triple H in charge. That is a fact. The fact that he got rid of those stupid, idiotic names that Vince McMahon came up with and gave guys names that made sense, that alone is an improvement in the product. Yeah, Roman Reigns is still champ, okay? 
But he, Triple H has put an importance on the secondary titles. You know, Bobby Lashley is fighting for the U.S. title. U.S. title is important. Uh, Gunter, a.k.a. Walter, a.k.a. the Ring General. He <laughs> is reunited with Imperium, by the way. Now there's three members of Imperium. The three of them that are still in the company, they're back together again, which I thought was pretty cool. I mean, Gunter just looks like a monster. Uh, Gunter, ha! I'm thinking of the character from Sting. I need to watch that match. I, by next week, I want to watch that match. You said it's worth watching. Um, so to me, you have this stuff going on. The, the product is exciting. It's interesting. You know, you're building up Ciampa. You're building up these different people. It's the, the WWE product is better, period, independent. It is in, markedly improved over what it was. That's a, that's a fact. You can, you know, the facts are the facts, and the numbers don't lie. But Speaking of numbers, with a financial this- Yes. Was it a financial decision that they decided to combine the UK title with the NXT title? Like, what, are they closing down operations well, in the UK? What are they doing over there? Well, NXT, NXT UK is done, but now it's going to morph into NXT Europe with the cover more space, and they're eventually going to go into, like, NXT in different countries and stuff. Um, but I guess they felt that the UK was too small. You know, they want to kind of expand it over all of Europe, which makes sense, and I think that's in the plan all along. That was actually the original plan. I think what COVID kind of – COVID got involved some way, somehow. Triple H was talking about that recently. But, you know, getting back to my point, what I was saying, you know, when you look at that, the, the fact that people want to come back to the company, I mean, Bobby Fish, who was part of the, uh, the elite, right, the undisputed era without Roderick Strong, who's still in WWE, but Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly went and joined Adam Cole in AEW. It seems like Bobby Fish was there for a cup of coffee. He's gone now, and he left. So there goes the undisputed elite or whatever it was because they had combined forces with the Young Bucks. That's gone. I think Cole's injured. O'Reilly is now injured. So that, that, that's washed up. Um, Malachi Black just requested and was given a, some sort of weird conditional release, but he's out of the company. And he's probably going to want to come back to the WWE at some point. I think his issues were more like health-related, so hopefully he's okay. Um, obviously his wife still performs in the WWE as uh, Zelina Vega. So there's a possibility that he can come back. I've heard Andrade's not happy. He may want to come back with Charlotte. I don't know, you know, whatever. But things are going to be different with, with Triple H in charge. So to me, now the WWE is the place to be where for a while it was, it was AEW. But the truth is it seems like AEW is falling apart, sir. And, and, I mean, what are your thoughts? Give us your take on the whole interim title. I mean, uh, why are they having an interim champion? Just have a tournament and say the champion's hurt. And put the tub. There's no reason to have two of the same belt uh, on two different people. Like Moxley and Punk have having the belt at the same time. Uh, it doesn't work that way. There's only one world champion. There's no such thing as an interim champion. Well, I think that, uh, sir. I think the idea is that it's kind of like it's kind of like the UFC, where it's more of like a fight, big fight feel, and they do have those types of interim champions. So I think that that is where they're getting it from. I think that's the idea. Now, I know that you don't agree with it. Hell, I don't agree with it. And, and it's his wrestling. It's not the UFC. But I think that that would be the explanation as to why they're doing it that way. I, I don't like okay. it, but that's, you know, that's about a mind for some sense. I mean, let's be real. You know, one angle that I feel is in that the WWE dropped the ball, by the way, on is this whole Judgment Day thing. I, I can't stand that. Dominic Mysterio is now part of Judgment Day. I, I think Malachi Black, if he ever came back, he would be perfect fit for the Judgment Day. And I think that they could have used the Judgment Day as a modern-day NWO and just disrupted a lot of different matches. 
right now, Judgment Day is just a a group that that Edge somehow beat with Mysterio at the pay per view on Saturday, and now they're in, irrelevant. I mean, there's no point in having a group called the Judgment Day if they're going to continue to lose. I mean, essentially, they they've pretty much lost every time. So yeah, I agree that there's definitely, obviously, maybe no reason to have a group like the Judgment Day because they they suck at DX style. I mean, let's be real. So to me, you know, there's no there's really no point in having that group. But I mean, they're still there. You know, after everything that's happened, they, you know, I I think. Um, Finn Balor was saying, you know, talking about how Edge needs to kind of go, and now they're not his sidekicks or whatever. Oh, that's fine, but they basically lose every match that matters. So I don't know how, like, I don't know how that's a good thing or how anybody thought that was a good thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I do. Just like we talk about Roman Reigns has been champion forever, the Usos have been champion forever, and I'm wondering if they're gonna um, have Randy Orton uh, team up with Matt Riddle and dump the whole angle that that Randy turns on Matt Riddle when he comes back because I don't see any tag team out there that could beat the Usos except Matt Riddle and Randy Orton. Like, uh, you you put two guys from singles wrestling into a tag team match, a uh, tag team, and they take the titles off of Usos because the Usos are a champions that seems like they'll never lose to a tag team that's legit, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, no, I get what you're saying, but at this point, you know, the guys that you do have there – you know, you're probably not going to have, with Wharton being injured, you're probably not going to have that. And if anything, I think that when Randy comes back, he'll probably feud with Matt Riddle versus continuing to tag team with him. I mean, the Usos are not unstoppable, like what Roman Reigns seems to be. So to me, there's just there's just a lot of stuff that, need, that needs to happen. You know, I think that, I think that there is a possibility. Um... You know what I mean? I think there is a possibility that you can get a good tag team going. I mean, the Street Profits are still can still be considered viable, and they could still win. You know, at some point. But ultimately, I think the problem with the with the Bloodline is that there's nobody who can really there's nobody who can go after them. Like, who's going to beat the Bloodline? You know, who who's going to be those teams to take over? It's just you need you need to get the titles off them at some point. But now with the brother. How do you – you're adding to the bloodline and making it stronger. I mean, if Sasha and uh, Naomi ever come back, you may as well add Naomi to the bloodline also because she's married to one of the Usos. So why in the world wouldn't you just have her there? You know what I mean? Yeah. Why not have a woman represented in the bloodline also? Yeah. And the next pay for you is Extreme Rules. What a better time to, to get the belt off of the Usos because you could easily, easily have the Usos lose in a – weird, extreme wrestling match uh, in Philadelphia, I think it is. Um, that'd be the perfect time to take the belts off of the Usos because you've, you could interfere, you could do anything you want, and the Usos would definitely it'd be beneficial to the, the tag team division that the Usos dropped the titles at Extreme Rules uh, in October, I think. Anyway. I mean, I agree, but I also I think with Solo Sokoa being there, I think that that kind of messes everything up. It would have made more sense to have them lose the belts, and by them I also mean um, Roman, because you could have had them lose and then, if anything, win them back with Solo's help. At this point, you've strengthened the bloodline, so how do you then have them lose uh, the titles? You know what right. I mean? Yeah, I do. Um, so I think 40 minutes of talking wrestling is probably all I could stomach, and unfortunately – 
my stomach will turn even more when we shift gears and talk about basal because two things before we get into it is that I was definitely wrong thinking that the fourth train and the seventh train were going to meet in a subway series. I think the, the they've both the trains have fallen off the track. I don't know which team has fallen off the track more, to be honest with you, is that the Mets are in a dogfight for the division against the Braves that never seemed to lose, and I was wrong about that. I said the Braves would cool off at the All-Star break, and they haven't cooled off. In fact, they just got hotter, I think. I agree. Yeah, you, you definitely you definitely lied about that. I mean, you lied and you betrayed and you're, you're totally, you know, you, much like somebody I know who shall remain nameless, talking about the fact that, oh, well, you know, the, 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 the Mets are unlucky that the Braves are, are so good. Like, wh- what does that even mean that the Mets are unlucky that the Braves are good? The, the, no, the Mets are unlucky. The Mets need to play better. The fact that they were losing and the fact that they were absolutely 100% scumming it up to garbage, worthless, useless teams, to me, is just, it's just unfathomable, it's unthinkable, and it's not okay. The fact that they lost three straight games to the Nationals and the Pirates, and they're blown out. Their bullpen fell apart. They had no offense for three games. They scored, what, three? They scored four runs in three games, and I forget what the average was. They were averaging under three runs per game over a stretch of, like, 13 or 14 games. That's, un- that's unthinkable and inexcusable. However, yesterday... I think they scored 15 runs in two games yesterday in the doubleheader, which I did say the Mets had to win that doubleheader, um, and they won it in convincing fashion, which I'm glad that they did, you know, because the – but the Pirates stink. The Mets have to beat the Pirates. You can't – you know, the Braves aren't losing to these sorry teams. You can't take anything for granted. You absolutely 100% have to win the games that are in front of you, and you have to beat the teams – that you should be beating. You know, you can't have these incidents where you're losing to teams who are straight trailer trash. I mean, you're talking the, the two worst teams in baseball. How are you losing any games to the worst teams in baseball? Yeah. Look at the look at the Braves. You know, they were playing the, the Angels, not the Angels, sorry, the Athletics, and the Athletics came back and almost beat them. But what did the Braves do? The Braves won. And they did what they had to yeah. do. And then they ended up tying the Mets for first place, which, I mean, that at one point – Seems unfathomable, but here we are. The Braves and the Mets somehow, some way, are possibly, you know, they're tied for first place. It only lasts a day. The Mets are back up by half a game. But in all honesty, the fact that they never even got there is a joke. The Mets never, that never should have happened, sir. Never. The person that, that told you that the Mets are unlucky because the Braves are, are playing so well, I asked him. Are the, the Braves unlucky that the Mets have such a soft schedule at the end of the year that they should be winning like nine out of ten every uh, clip of ten games because that's what they should be? I mean, are the Braves unlucky that the Mets have an easy schedule, but the Mets are not taking advantage of it? I mean, you can't make the argument that the, I agree. The, the Mets I are agree. unlucky. The, the, you know? Yeah, you you can't you can't say that oh the Braves are the Mets are unlucky. No, it's not about the Mets being unlucky. It's about the fact that the Mets are not playing well. They're not beating teams that they absolutely have to beat. That's, I mean, are the Braves lucky that the Mets, the Mets are, no. You know, are the Braves lucky that the Mets are falling apart? No, the Braves are a good team. The Braves are honestly probably a better team overall. They have young, better players. There's not an easy out in their lineup. Their starting pitching is great. I mean, the Mets have them beat in terms of, of their closer, but that's about it. You know, the rest of the Mets, 
the Mets pen stinks. You know, please don't tell me the Mets have a good bullpen because they don't. They're awful. They're atrocious. They're a joke. They make us all sick. I mean, let's be real. You know, none of these guys are any good. The Mets have had a good season so far, but they have a good season every year. April and May, they win the division. (laughs) You know, how the the anti-Mets fan always says the Mets win the division in April and May, and you know, if you don't finish strong and win this this division that was yours for the taking, I don't think it's a good season, to be honest with you. I think that you choked up a lead and you let the Braves once again prove that they are the class of the and National League East. And um, anybody that thinks that the Mets had a good season if they don't win the division is, is smoking the Woody Johnson crack pipe, to be honest with you. Yeah, and I agree. How do you think the Mets had a good season? How could you possibly say the Mets had a good season? Oh, the Braves just, you know, they're unlucky. No, it's not about being unlucky. It's about the fact that you have to win the games in front of you. You have to beat the teams. Yeah. You have an easier schedule. Beat those teams. Win the division. You know, if, if the Mets tie at worst, they win the division because they have the, they own the season series over the Braves. But the bottom line is the, the Mets have six games at the end of the season. Three of them are against the Braves here in Atlanta, the next to last uh, series. And then they play Washington. Those three games are probably going to determine um, who wins the division, you know, and the Mets have to win the division. They can't wait. They can't hope and pray that somehow, some way, you know, th- that the, the Braves are going to fall apart. The Braves aren't falling apart. The Braves aren't going anywhere. The Braves are kicking butt and taking names and taking names and weapons. That's the truth. You know, you got to yeah. win these games. You cannot, you can't let, oh, well, let's hope. No, win. Go out there and win. And, you know, for all the people who talk smack about Chris Bassett, Chris, Chris Bassett came up and has done this multiple times. Yeah, playing against bad teams, but you can only pitch who you're scheduled to pitch against, right? So, and you can only play who's in front of you. Beating the, beating the sorry uh, Pirates, he came out with a gutsy performance, and he's done that multiple times. I mean, the guy's been the guy's been a relief. He's been one of their best pitchers this whole season. You know, with Scherzer injured again and Degrom injured for most of the year. I mean, honestly speaking, Bassett's been one of their best pitchers, and he did a great job. And he has come through time and time again when the Mets needed him to. You know, and I just I just don't understand people who are going to co- complain and whine and say whatever. Chris Bassett has been great, and he won the game that he needed to win, and that's the bottom line, sir. And, you know, he's been their probably their best pitcher, you know, overall. Aside from Max Scherzer being signed by the Mets, um, if I close my eyes, I would still think that Will Ponds are still running the team because the Mets did absolutely nothing to improve this team at the All-Star break. And if you're, if you're a team that's going to go for it and win it all, you, you really do um, get the players that you need. I just feel like they did nothing. They, they rested on their laurels. They thought that this team was good enough to win it all. I I'm highly, um, I highly doubt that a team like this can win it all. When I see that uh, they're losing games that Scherzer and DeGrom is pitching, those are the games that are automatic wins for me, and they're not automatic wins for this team. I just they're, they, they like mediocrity, and they still do, even with Cohen as the owner. I mean, I definitely agree about the trade deadline. I think, and we talked about this at length. I actually went on a quite a rant about it. I think the fact that the Mets made no improvements and basically said, well, we don't want to get rid of our prospects. First of all, Mets prospects suck. They're never any good. They never do anything. So to me, I don't even know how in the world, how in the world are you even saying 
that you're gonna you're gonna hold the prospect. You, your your prospects are not a guarantee that you're gonna be any good. You have to win now. They have to Grom and Scherzer right now. You have to win right now. You cannot sit there and hope that well, you know, well, Jacob's coming back, so basically we don't even know what he's gonna give us, which he's been great. Don't get me wrong, he's been amazing. But you didn't know what he was gonna give you. You didn't know if he was gonna be any good. You really didn't because he's come back off injury and not having pitched for an entire year. You know? And the bottom line is that DeGrom has been amazing, yes, but what's the backup plan? Taiwan Walker has pretty much stunk in the second half, which is what he always does. He's a first-half pitcher. You know, he does great, makes the all-star game, then he falls apart. And his fall apart has kind of happened a little bit later. But the bottom line is you had to make improvements. Givens is a right-hand reliever who has sucked for the most part with the Mets. The Mets needed lefties. They go out and get a righty. The Mets needed a good DH. They got two sorry DHs. Naquin has probably been the best player out of the four of them. You know, in yeah. all honesty, yeah. he's probably been the most consistent one. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I would definitely agree that he's been a surprise and um, a surprise addition to the Mets. I think that you look at uh, Huff and um, Vogelback, Ruff. and I think that, yeah, it's God, sorry. Ruff. No, I said Ruff. Ruff. You Ruff. said Huff. Sorry. Um, I just think that the the Mets got uh, a little bit too ahead of themselves. Things are too big. Um, I even think about, like, I know that this is minute, but to me it annoys me. Like, a team like the Mets should not be, uh, should not get big heads. And they got this big head. They brought Timmy Narcos uh, singing uh, the uh, song for Arcoda <laughs> Diaz. What, what has the Mets won that all of a sudden that they're the talk of the town that they could play the music and say, we're the Mets and we got this great closer. They haven't done anything to, they haven't won anything yet. And they haven't won anything since 1986. So to me, that stuff comes with winning a championship. Not right now when you're trying to win a championship. Uh, Baby, it was Baby one of those prospects, prospects that the Mets didn't want to get rid of because they thought so highly of him? I mean, yeah, he's, no. he's one of the highly, more highly ranked. But yeah, he's one of the more highly ranked prospects, highly touted, yeah. I don't know. Chris Bryant would have been a good addition for the Mets. Somebody that's proven to them. I think that I think that if anything, Alonzo has proven that he cannot carry the team, and he's just uh, he's back to his old ways. And I just, I'm tired of seeing uh, Alonzo strike out a slider away. I just think that we need to add a big bat in the off season because Alonzo again proven has proved to me anyway that he cannot carry this team, and he he just. Uh, He's just a decent player. He's not the great player that can carry a team like uh, Mr. Judge on the other side of the New York. Well, I think the problem is that you need you need guys. You can't just have Alonzo because you can pitch around him, and then he's going to try to do too much. You know, you need other players. Now, yes, uh, Lindor has had a great year, and he's been much better than he was last year for sure, having the greatest year in the history of the Mets as far as the shortstops go. So, yes, that's a great thing. But the truth of the matter is that you need more than just Alonzo. I mean, if you had Aaron Judge, oh, baby, the Mets would be the greatest team on the planet. Aaron Judge, who should be the AL MVP, by the way, and we'll get into that in a minute because there's so many things to talk about. But the bottom line is um, Alonzo can't do everything by himself, and the Mets did not make enough improvement. The Mets didn't say, screw these prospects. We don't know if they're going to be any good. They suck. Our prospects always suck. They needed to go out, and they needed to make massive improvements. They needed to, you know, Spend the farm. Do whatever you got to do. You have to win. The Mets are a win-now team. That's the bottom line. You cannot, sir, you cannot wait, hope, pray, whatever, 
that they're going to be, you know, that there's going to be a, maybe these guys are going to come around. They're basically hoping that everybody would come and perform and be great, and they're counting on the guild to come back and, and fix the bullpen, and it's just, it's too much. They had to go, and they had to make massive improvements. They had to win the World Series in 2022. That is the bottom line. You have to win the World Series this year, and that is, that's it. That's all that matters, and I just don't understand it. I don't understand what they were thinking because again, their their people don't their people don't get the job done, sir. They don't have enough on the team. They need help. I just I don't understand the logic. Yeah, nothing is guaranteed next year because Degrom will opt out of his contract. Who knows if the Mets could resign right. him? And Scherzer is not getting any younger, so you figure win now and win the title now because who knows what's going to happen next year because the team is in flux. Again, next year with these free agent findings, jeez. That's what I'm saying, and I don't, I don't understand what they were thinking at the trade deadline of, of just standing pat. They couldn't, they could not afford to stand pat. The Mets did the one thing they could not afford to do. They stood pat. They needed to go for the juggler. They needed to go out there and make a difference. They needed to do whatever they had to do. Get whoever they had to get. Soto, or get a difference maker. Get somebody in the plan and say, "Wow, the Mets are the Mets are amazing." Like I said, the Braves have a better overall team than the Mets do. The Braves finally woke up. The Mets were basically thinking, well, the Braves are going to stay asleep all year, and they didn't. You know, I told you this. I looked it up myself. The Braves are over, at this point, they're about 20 games better than the Mets since June 1st. 20 games better. That is ridiculous. That is insane. That is a huge number. That's three weeks worth of games. So please tell me how the Mets are okay. Please tell me how the Mets didn't need to make any changes. I mean, Come on. You make us all sick. You really do make us all sick. Don't you? Yeah, I agree because the Braves continues to show that they have it, IT. They have the pedigree of a champion, which the Mets will never have. I just think that those intangibles are the reason why the Braves are where they are because they've caught the Mets. Essentially, they're half a game out only because the Braves didn't play yesterday. The Mets did. Um, I I mean, they're in a hard dog fight. Uh, no, the Braves did. The Braves did play yesterday. The Braves don't oh. play today, and the Mets don't play today. The Mets. The, the reason that the Mets, they're having game out is because the Mets have one more win, and the Braves have one more loss than they do. That's the reason that they're they're half a game up, because the Mets gotcha. have played more. But it wasn't it wasn't not playing yesterday. Okay, and you know, real fast on the other side of the, uh, New York, you have uh, Aaron Judge, who I've been touting since April. Uh, that I really think that this guy would be great fit for the team, for my, our team, and uh, as a Met. Uh, Wait, I just you have? <laughs> I have. <laughs> you know I have. That's um, me. Where have I been? He's been carrying the team the last couple of weeks because the Yankees have uh, fallen off the tracks too. Um, if it wasn't for Judge, and I guess I'm making the argument against what I'm about to say, is that Judge is making <laughs> a... Yes, a, you are. <laughs> If you didn't have Judge on the team, I think the team would fall apart. I think the team wouldn't even make the playoffs, to be honest with you. I think that he is your MVP, Listen, even though uh, – go ahead, sorry. No, I was going to say, just to add to your point, if you take Judge off to the Yankees, they're in third place, maybe fourth. My brother and I were having this conversation earlier today. They're maybe in fourth place. I wish Frank was on so he could chime in. But, the, but they're 100% guaranteed if Aaron Judge is not on that team, the Yankees are not a playoff team. They're not first in their division. They're, they're back. They're behind, you know, the Blue Jays and, and, you know, the Orioles or whatever. The 
facts are the facts, and the numbers don't lie. Aaron Judge has had a monster year, and he is the main reason, which is why, which I'm sure we're going to get into this in a minute, my entire reasoning, my entire thought process, my entire being, everything that I am, everything that is within my soul, the reason I have a problem with, with guys like Shea Otani um, being considered for MVP, I mean, really, the, the guy should not be the MVP in any year unless his team is any good. Shohei Otani, I'm sorry. This guy, yes, he's a good, he's a good pitcher, not a great pitcher. Yes, he's having a good year, and he does not have the, all the best numbers on his team. Trout has played like 40-something less games than him and is basically almost tied with him in most of the stats and if not, you know, higher batting average, higher OPS, all that stuff. But, of course, there's a love affair with the fact that he's the first player in baseball history to win 10, which is an obscure fact, by the way, to win 10 games and hit 30 home runs. Babe Ruth never did it because I guess when Babe started hitting home runs, he basically was no longer a pitcher, which is understandable. But the fact of the matter is, when you look at this team, when you look at the makeup of the Angels, they're they're about they're close to 20 games under 500 with Otani on uh, on the team. And yes, he is a great player. There is no doubt. If he was on a contending team, if he was on the Yankees, then the truth is he probably would be considered for the MVP doing what he's doing because the Yankees would be that much better with him. But the fact is. The Angels suck with him, and they would suck without him. He does not make a discernible difference. He doesn't. And, sir, most valuable player, I looked this up, the most valuable player, the award is to go to the person who makes the most impact and has the biggest, you know, impact basically on the league and on their team. That's what the MVP is for. That is literally the definition of the MVP award. Okay, I just, I'm looking at, I guess part of my argument uh, earlier today was that if I look at the, the list of MVP winners, um, you got half content on content teams and half of them are not on content teams. So last year, Shelby did win it, and I believe the Angels were not a good team last year. Uh, Bryce Harper won it for Philadelphia, and he, they were not a good team either. So why do you think that they won it? Did they do something different, or why did they deserve the MVP and not somebody that on the content team? Um, let me see. Let me look at this and see. Um, well, no, the Braves were actually uh, – the Braves eliminated them from contention at the September 30th. They were eliminated from postseason contention. Okay, that's fine, but they were, they were in it until the very end. So you can't say that the Phillies didn't – that they weren't in there. So Harper had a great year last year. Uh, sorry, the Phillies. Yeah, the Phillies, right? Wait, no, Bryce Harper, I'm right. sorry. We're talking about yeah, no, yeah he's on the Phillies. I'm, uh, I, I forget the fact that he used to be he used to be off uh, over with the uh, the Nationals. Washington. But yeah, I mean they yeah. were limited from playoff contention basically at the very end of the year. So you can't say that the Phillies were were nobody, so to speak, you know. Um, but the fact of the matter is that most years it goes to the player who makes the most impact for his team, and um, you know the truth is. You can't have any real impact on a losing team, on a team that loses that you're 20, 30 games under 500. Please tell me how Otani, you know, how is Otani the most valuable player in the league when his team is one of the worst teams on the planet with him? I mean, explain it to me. I, I see what you're saying. I'm just saying that Shohei Otani won it last year, and I don't think the Angels were in contention for 
making the playoffs, and uh, he won the MVP last year. No, Jose Abreu. Yeah, but 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 most years, most years, nine times out of ten, it goes to players who were on a team in contention. That if they weren't on the team, the the team would be significantly worse and nowhere near the playoffs. And I do think the fact that you're on a crappy team should affect you, because ultimately, you, your team, baseball is a team game. We always talk about that. It's like I said about the Cy Young. The Cy Young is a different award because the Cy Young is essentially the best pitching, the individual pitching statistics in baseball. That's, that's what it is in the National League and the American League. It's not the most valuable pitcher. It's the most valuable player. So if you take that person off this team, where would they be? When you're 20 games under 500, it doesn't matter who's on the team or who's not on the team. So what difference does it make if Otani's on the, on the Angels? You know, they're terrible with him and they're terrible without him. And that's my whole point. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I just, I guess, in the years that I'm looking at, like 2017, John Carlos Stanton won it for the Miami Marlins. I'm pretty sure the Miami Marlins were not in contention to make the playoffs. I just, I guess, there was nobody out there that was on a contending team that carried the team by himself to a title, like uh, to a playoff berth, like Chargers they actually, this year. Because, if uh, I'm not mistaken, they actually finished in second place in the in the National League. They did. They finished in second place. There were a few games in the so nobody, but they were in second place in the NLE. So there's nobody on this list I'm looking at like that was not in contention. Like my argument is totally shot with Mike Trout and Twins. I know that um, Andre Dawson is the biggest example that I can think of in like '87. The Cubs were dead last; yeah. they were awful, but he had such a ridiculous season that they were like, "All right, well, we're going to give it to him this year." Which I mean, at that point, what can you do? You know, and if, if a guy is so much superior. Like, if Shane Otani had 75 home runs, 150 RBIs, 18 oh. wins, I mean, there, there's no doubt, you know, there's no doubt, you know, he's he's so much better than everyone. He is head and shoulders above everybody else. Yeah, that that definitely, I would say that, you know, it, may, it has an argument. But my ultimate point is, if a guy, if a team stinks and – this player has no significant benefit. It's the league. It's the most valuable player in the league. It's not even to say always oh, the most valuable player on the team. It's it's not just the team. It's the entire league. So to to make it seem like oh well, Otani should win it. And basically, what you're saying, and you people like you were saying, is this guy should win it every year because he's a he's a half pitcher, half player, or whatever. Half. I mean, he's batting two sixty. He's got like 30-something home runs, 80-something RBS. Okay, all good stats, great stats, wonderful stats. But the facts are the facts, and the numbers don't lie. This guy, he's not even the best player in his league. Judge is having such a monster year, and then when you take him out of the equation, the Yanks are, are, are scum. The Yanks are garbage. They're trash. You know, but this is a team that, as of right now, is still in first place. You know? Yeah. The Yankees are still, as of today, in first place, and they're not there without – Aaron Judge, bottom line. So given so given up. all that, why I guess that I want Judge as a Met because I think he's proven he's a beast. Uh, he's a difference maker. He can, he's shown that he could play in New York. You wouldn't want him for like eight years and then buy him out in year six and get rid of him? Like, because you have deep pockets now. You're the Mets. You're Steve Cohen the Mets. Why wouldn't you want somebody that's, that's proven like Judge and, and take him from the Yankees? Uh, that's been my whole point all year. Well, but your your whole thing is about taking him from the Yankees. I don't care about taking him from the Yankees. That's not my concern. 
My concern is, is this guy going to make my team better? And, yes, obviously Aaron Judge would make my team better. And I wouldn't mind him on the team. I just – I don't want the Mets to give out a $500 million contract. The fact that he turned down the Yankees for what he did, it definitely scares me because how much money are you going to give to him? Yes, it's not my money. But when it's going to hamper the rest of the team and any other moves they can make, I think that that's a problem. Ultimately, to me, that is a huge problem. And speaking of problems, we need to take a break, folks. We'll be right back after this. This is actress Jen Lilly telling you to tune in to Pure Gold Radio. Pure Gold brings you amazing guests, awesome interviews, and great talk radio every week. Yes. Yes, we do. That was a short break. Let's get back to it, sir. Aaron Judge, you're obsessed with him. You want this guy in the Mets. I agree, but are the Mets going to pay him more than anybody else? That, that's the king. You, the key. You're talking about the Mets getting Otani and Aaron Judge. I mean, wishful thinking, sir, on your part, isn't that a bit much? Yeah, it's a bit much. I, I have this whole syndrome that now I'm the new George Steinbrenner and I could buy whoever I want however much I want because I have deep pockets. I, if I need to release the player after year five or six because Judge is old, uh, by then I can buy him out because the Yankees are known for buying out their players uh, at the end of their contracts when they're no good anymore. I just think that uh, 1986 was like 32 years ago. long <laughs> time between titles for a New York team. I think we deserve a title now, uh, either this year or next year, because uh, at this point, if they don't win this year or next year, I don't think the Mets will ever win a title because I'm so tired of being mediocrity. Uh, I just think that new owner, just show me that you're willing to win championships because if not, then they will punch it by the team again because being stuck in mediocrity sucks. I'd rather be like totally sucked than, than be uh, second fiddle to like a Braves team that, that wins all the time and the Yankees that win all the time. I'm just tired of it. I mean, I agree. <laughs> I understand what you're saying, and I agree with you. I'm tired of being second fiddle. Also, I do want the Mets to win. You know, that's the bottom line because I phone call something. material. I, I do. <laughs> you know, I do want them to. I want them to win, and I, I'm tired of the Mets not winning. I need the Mets to win. It's been a long time, and I was thinking about it. It's been a ridiculous. You said 30 something years, but it's been a ridiculous amount of time that you know the Mets have won a World Series, but. They need to win. They need to make it. They need to, to do it. And they have not been doing that, sir. They have not won. They have. They always have some sort of reason, some sort of thing where, you know, they don't make it. They, they're complacent or whatever the case is. I need the Mets to take it all. I, that's it. I need a World Series sir, yeah. in my life. A for, World Series for me, because that I can remember. We haven't, talk, we haven't talked about this at all because we've been talking about the Mets and wrestling, but Tonight is the opening night for football, and as I was back, and I, the best way I can describe the Jets, not even playing game one yet, but the Jets. I mean, <laughs> Zach Wilson is out for week one. Now, all of a sudden, he's out week four weeks. The season's over. I mean, the, the, the Jets will never win a Super Bowl just like the Mets. I hope the Mets win a World Series in my lifetime that, I'm, that I can enjoy another one since uh, 1906 was 36 years ago. Uh, but the Jets, to me, are a franchise that's a Mickey Mouse organization. Um, I, I can't stand them. Uh, Zach Wilson gets hurt. He, okay, he, he's out for a week. Now all of a sudden he's out for four weeks. So what are you telling us? Is he out for one week or is he out for four weeks? I, the coach tells you his mixed, mixed messages. You think that he's the guy that's going to take the team to the promised land. But 
Typical Jets, the season ends before the first series starts, which is this Sunday against the Ravens. I, wouldn't, I, I expect the Ravens to win the game 27-14. to 14. That's my prediction for, for Sunday's game. And I think that the Giants are, should be ashamed of themselves because, you know, the Jets fan, I, I expect the Jets to suck, but, you know, for the Giants to keep Daniel Jones as his quarterback, I think the Giants have accepted mediocrity too. And for that, I feel sorry for you because you're used to winning Super Bowls. Well, I mean, what can I do, sir? I mean, you're talking about going to the playoffs. Playoffs? Who's talking about? Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, That's the bottom before, line. Before, before we go into your one nugget that you want to talk about, because I'm fascinated by this one nugget, uh, long live the Queen, because today the Queen unfortunately passed away at the age of 96. It's uh, it's a sad day, and here at Pure Gold, we we wish her, um, we express our our sympathy, and uh, you know the world has lost uh, a monarch and the Queen. Indeed, I mean you know thoughts and prayers with her family. You know what's interesting is that she was actually the longest reigning monarch in the history of England, which is fascinating to me. She's been the monarch uh, since, I think, uh, she was 25 years old, and I'm pretty sure it was 1952 where she became the queen. And now her son, Prince Charles, he had the misfortune, I guess, of having his mom live so long. Cause, I mean, he probably thought he was going to be king a long time ago. Now he is yeah. the king, and, of course, then his, his sons would be in the succession after that. But, um, you know, definitely, she's 96 years old, so she lived a good life. I've never understood the American fascination with the monarchy because, I mean, we fought a war to get away from these people, and then American right. gossip columns and, and stuff, they're just obsessed with it. So I've never understood it. I mean, it's just sad to me because this, this family, ultimately, this family lost, you know, the matriarch, and they had lost the father, Prince Philip, you know, a couple years ago. He was 99 when he passed away. Um, you know, so that definitely definitely sad, and, you know, again, Thoughts and prayers for the Queen's family, and, you know, I just don't understand. I'll never understand the obsession, but at the same time, I do understand the fascination, I guess, you know, with um, with the royal family. I, I understand it to a certain degree. I just don't – I mean, we don't have a king and queen in this country, so, like, we, we literally – we got away from that. We're, we're not, we're not yeah. going back to that, so, you know. The only down. thing that I could say is that – the only thing I could say is that to the whole thing that her peasant way is that and related to pure gold is that I'm, I'm trying to make you laugh, let's see if you remember, but she had a wicked curveball, as I recall. Uh, she threw a wicked curveball <laughs> and naked gun. <laughs> Do you remember well, naked I gun? mean, if I'm being honest, if I'm being honest, the saddest moment of my life is when Enrico Palazzo passed away, because that was yeah. a true tragedy. The fact that Enrico Palazzo, yeah. the great opera singer, and Enrico Palazzo, I mean, he, he had to he had to run in with the queen. Uh, Naked Gun is probably, to me, one of, if not the funniest movies of all time. Uh, Leslie Nielsen was great. The Queen was great in that movie. She really did have a wicked curve. I mean, she was out of this world. Amazing. You know, Reggie Jackson knew her knew her very well. Yeah. So what's this, uh, before we close out, tell me this, this nugget about somebody that is part of an intro that has made the news that's got you so upset. I want to hear about this. Well, it's not... It's not so much upset. So it's, I guess it is kind of upset. So when we, over the course of over the course of this show, which we've been doing since you know 2012, so 10 years, right? 
over the course of actually 2010. Or 10. Sorry, right? Because that, that was the year that I got married. So 12 years, I'm sorry. So when you look at the course of our show, we, we had guests, sir. We had some guests who were on this show multiple times. You agree? I agree, yes. Okay. One of our guests who I think or thought, I don't know how to, I don't know how to phrase this without sounding judgmental. Somebody who I thought the world of, who I thought was awesome, was Miss Arizona 2010, Brittany Bell. Okay. She was, sir, um, and she didn't, you know, she was Miss Guam, she was Miss Arizona, et cetera, et cetera. She's been on the show like four or five times. She, again, she's in our intro. But what I don't understand, she talked about her faith, and this is my problem. She talked about her faith and Jesus and God and all this other stuff. And you and I have always talked about kind of the, um, the, the, the tricky aspect of the Miss USA pageant and these women who are half naked on, on the stage and showing everything, basically in a bathing suit up there, um, but talking about God and Jesus and how much they love him, which, you know, I have a hard time with that. As a father of three daughters, I always had a hard time with that. I love the guests. I love talking to them. I thought they're, they're awesome. But the, the half-nakedness part was always an issue for me. Moving on to Brittany, she talked about Jesus. She talked about God. She talked about her faith in Jesus, Christianity, et cetera. I found out, because I haven't kept up with that, I found out that she, uh, five years ago, she gave birth to a son with Nick Cannon. Nick Cannon, who has like nine kids, by the way. She gave birth to a son of his out of wedlock, strike number one. No good, bad, you know. So she does that one time with Nick. Then three years later, has another kid with him, a daughter. And the names are just, I don't even know what they were thinking when they picked these names. This is kind of an example Mm -hmm. of, like, people who, instead of picking a meaning, a a good name with a nice meaning, they basically pick the meaning and put it as a name. Because if I'm not mistaken, the names are, like, Golden and powerful queen. Um, yeah, powerful queen cannon is her name. That's that's not a name. That's a description. That is not a name that you give to somebody. That is a. You should be picking that whatever. She's from Guam. Whatever. Uh, whatever a word in 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 the the culture of your country. Whatever powerful queen means, that should be the name. Or just as an example. But anyway, that, I don't want to go off on a tangent. And I'm, I guess I'm glad she's on the air because I wouldn't want to offend her, but I would offend her with this. How do you have two children out of wedlock with the same guy who has fathered women, had children with like five different women, so he's constantly fathering children out of wedlock, and you claim to be a Christian, but you continue to have children outside of wedlock with this man, and she is pregnant again with a third child by Nick Cannon. That to me is like, what are you thinking? Where, where is the Christ in that? Where is the Jesus? Where is the faith? Where is the, you know, I want to be an example of Romans and women. Three children out of wedlock with this guy who is like a serial sex addict. I don't even know what his problem is. But this guy, he has mental problems. He has mental problems. He needs to stop having children. He needs to get a vasectomy. He needs to be a eunuch. He, he, he doesn't need any more kids. No matter how much money Nick Cannon has, he cannot be a father to these children. And I don't know what the women are, are getting out of it. I don't know what the you, – you're no matter how rich he is, he's not going to be able to provide for all these kids for long term. And then you can't spend quality time with him. So how are you continuing to have kids with this guy? I don't understand it. I mean, literally, 
literally the only thing that I can say to this, I mean, there's actually, there's two things I can say to this, sir. I mean, oh, number one. There we go. <laughs> you make a dog sick. Wait, hold on. You make a dog sick. Yeah, that. You make us all sick. Number one. Oh, Nick Cannon, you have nine oh, kids, uh, really. Is that all? Nine? <laughs> is that all? I mean, seriously, let's be real here. Shut up, shut up. Shut up, shut up. You know, I mean, lucky for you line. that Brittany you Bell... You don't need more kids. Brittany Bell is actually on the what? line. She has something to say to you, Dave. Hold on. Hi, this is Brittany Bell, Miss Arizona USA 2010, and make sure to tune in every week to Pure Gold for the best interviews and talk radio. Joe and David are the best. Check them out at puregoldpg.com. I mean, that may be the greatest clip you have ever played in the history of this show. I mean, that's the only way to end this show. Honestly, I mean, what else is there to say? I mean... Seriously, what else can we possibly say? I, I, Brittany was a wonderful person. Loved having her on the show. Great guest. I just don't understand the thought process here. I don't get it. It makes no sense. You're setting a horrible example for your children. You're being anything but Christ-like, and you're 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 basically saying that you can be like a a concubine for Nick Cannon. I don't understand it. I don't get what these women see in him. But how can you claim Jesus or at one point have claimed Jesus and you have three kids out of wedlock with a guy who's got a bunch of kids with other women? I mean, explain that to me, sir. <laughs> explain it. <laughs> yeah, I am less speechless at the fact that this is what Brittany Bell has become because uh, the Brittany Bell Shut that up! I remember was would never do this, and I just cannot believe what you're telling me. It just uh, I'm speechless. I'm, I, I can't. Brittany Bell, you are definitely not a follower of Christ. You have falling under the spell of the devil, and the devil is Nick Cannon. And uh, you know, I, I find that shame on you. I mean, ba- basically, I, shame and kill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wait, uh, hold on a second, hold on a second. Uh, you tell me that shame you, on you. Think she should be. A- <laughs> think she should be ashamed. Is that, is that what you're telling me? Yeah, just just a little there, just a little. Jeez. I mean, it, it is, it's sick. It's, it's absolutely sick. It's demented. It's not okay. It's not good. It's evil. And I don't understand what anybody could possibly think, oh, yeah, I need to go have more kids with Nick Cannon. That's what I need to do. I need to have, like, 20 kids with this guy. Why? What does Nick Cannon have? You can't say money because when you, when you keep having that many kids, your money's going to run out. The fact that these yeah. women are debasing themselves by being with him, it's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. It makes me, it really does make me sick. It makes me sick to my stomach. You know, how is it okay are, to keep having kids with this dude? Those are the same people that think it's okay that the same people that think that the, the presidential election was fairly won by a dimensional a dimensional uh, president that, that has no idea what day of the week it is. I mean, those, those are the same people that <laughs> think that's okay to have babies. <laughs> that's what I think. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure you mean demented. <laughs> by the way, uh, not dimensional, <laughs> but I mean that, that's neither that's neither here nor there. <laughs> yeah, I mean this, we, this has been bothering me for a long time, and if I'm being honest, it's something that I've wanted to talk about 
for the longest time. It just, I, I kind of hesitated on it because obviously, like I said, Brittany was always nice, always nice uh, to us, a friend of the show for years and years. But it, it makes me want to puke. This whole life that she's leading and these men and all this, it makes me want to vomit. And these men, Nick Cannon's the only guy. It makes me sick to my stomach. I can't, I can't fathom it. I can't fathom what, in what way she thinks, well, this is okay. I should live like this. Like, how, how are you okay with this? How do you think that it's okay for you to sleep with a guy who has kids multiple times? All right, you want to say she made a mistake at some point? Okay, fine. I'll buy that. The first time, not that kids are a mistake, but having them in that circumstance is a mistake. But then you're going to continue to do it. I just can't. I can't do it. So listen, I, I, I'm done. I, this topic makes me sick. I'm going to puke. I think I think we've had enough. I think PG has been on the air long enough, sir. I think I, I got to go. I have I think, to go. <laughs> I think next week we could talk about how the Mets are a week later. Uh, how the Yankees are, how the Giants did game one and the Jets did game one. We're getting closer to the midterm elections, and that will be fascinating to talk about, too. Uh, not to get too political, but, you know, we are getting close to hopefully a change in this country because the story that you just mentioned, uh, to me, it's all about do not fall in love with false idols. And, you know, she fell in love with the golden calf. That's basically it. I mean, I guess. I mean, I wouldn't even call it love. It's more like love. It's sick. It makes me want to puke. Bottom line, it really is. And I said the bottom, so, bottom line a million times today. But that's the truth. And, you know, I hope she repents. I hope she gets her life right. I hope Nick Cannon gets, he comes to know Jesus, gets his life right, and stops being a sick, demented freak because everything he does, it's evil, it's sick, it's twisted, it's mentally, it's mentally ill. I mean, it's just, it's not okay. What he's doing is not okay in any way, shape, or form. I just don't, I don't understand it, sir. I don't understand yeah, it, and I will I, never understand how these people think that having 50 kids is okay. Yeah, I don't understand either. And let's just say that next week we'll focus on wrestling, some sports like the Mets and the Jets and the Giants, and we will not talk about this subject again because this is a sixth subject, and that is all I have, oh, even uh, though... Is that all? Yes, that is all for me. Is that all? I mean, she may get pregnant again. Who knows? So we'll have to talk about it again. Folks, thank you so much for listening to our show. Uh, It's fun to be back on the air. It's been a while. Things have happened. We've had some legal issues we have to deal with. And after this, Brittany Brown (laughs) may sue us, and she may be doing the show by herself (laughs) next week. So we will find out. But, folks, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being a part of the show. We love you all. We love our families. We love everybody. Woo! Okay, I'll admit it. I'm an egomaniac. What can I say? Shame on you! As usual, I'm right. You're wrong. Are you kidding me? You are the biggest phony I have ever met. Obviously, clearly, maybe, definitely. A fresh take on sports and entertainment. Dave and Joe tell it like it is. Wait Talk Radio every week. David and Joe are simply the best. I've been listening to Pure Gold ever since I was a baby, and I still do. Pure Gold is the best. I love Pure Gold. Pure Gold. I got two words for you. You guys are awesome. Don't forget to follow Pure Gold on Blog Talk Radio. And don't forget to subscribe to Pure Gold on iTunes.